and welcome to My Favorite Theorem, a podcast where we ask mathematicians what their favorite theorem is. I'm your co-host, Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah, and this is your other co-host. Hi, I'm Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. How are you doing, Evelyn? I'm all right. How about you? Okay, so one of our former guests, who I won't name, was giving a big lecture here, a big colloquium series uh, this week, so I got to meet that person in person. So oh, excellent! Might, might even have a, a better picture for the web page, with you know, say you know, the, 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 or, or for the for the, the the post to say, hey, you know, our 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 our, our uh, hosts and guests can actually be in the same place at the same time. Yeah, that yeah. would be exciting. Yeah, yeah, and, and one of these days, maybe you and I will meet in person. Uh, which maybe I'm pretty sure we have not. Uh, well, I know we have it, and I, I keep threatening to come to Salt Lake City, but I don't I don't think Salt Lake can handle me. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually been there once. It's a wonderful town. It's a great city. Yeah, well, I like it. Yep. So today we are very glad um, to have Holly Krieger on the show. So Holly, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'd be happy to. So thanks for having me, first of all. Um, so I am a lecturer at the University of Cambridge. I'm also a fellow at uh, one of the constituent colleges of Cambridge, Murray Edwards College. And uh, the kind of math I'm most interested in is complex dynamics and number theory. So I do a lot of studying of uh, the Mandelbrot set and some of the arithmetic properties of these kinds of things and, um, and related questions. Yeah, and I see um, you and I have the same poster of the Mandelbrot set. Mine is not actually hanging up yet. You have been uh, better at fully uh, getting the experience by hanging it up, but I, I see that poster behind you. So. That's right, this um, Mandel map. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's this beautiful poster, and I just found it on Kickstarter, and then I send it yeah. to a bunch of mathematician friends. And so occasionally, I will go to someone like to visit them mathematically, and they have the same poster up in their office. It's very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have invited you here to ask you what your favorite theorem is. So what's your favorite theorem? Well, okay, so here's the thing. I shouldn't be on this podcast. I don't have a no. favorite theorem. No, 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 no. I don't have a favorite theorem. It's true. Um, because somehow, like, I'm too much of a commitment phobe, right? Like, I have a new favorite <laughs> theorem every week or something like that. Okay, so what's I can your, tell you this week's favorite that's, theorem. That, that's okay. fine. Because that's you know, ours have probably changed, too. I mean, so Evelyn and I, in episode, <laughs> in, in episode zero, stated our favorite theorems. And I'm pretty sure Evelyn might have changed her mind by now. Yeah, well, Not, one of our, our other guests, Jen Clellan, made a pretty good uh, case for the gauss Binet. Yeah, theorem, she so really I think did. my allegiance has shifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But so yeah, maybe, yeah what is your favorite podcast retrospective, like every 20 <laughs> podcasts or something? What are the host's <laughs> favorite theorem today? Oh, yes, that's a good okay. idea, actually. All right, good. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite theorem for this week. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of... I love this theorem because it is both mathematically sort of really heavy hitting, but also because it has this sort of like delicious anti-establishment backstory to it. Okay. So uh, my favorite theorem this week is uh, Brouwer's fixed point theorem. Nice. So do you want me to, maybe I should talk about it mathematically first, sort of the statement? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yep. So I think in the easiest way to state this is sort of the way that Brouwer would have thought about it, which is if you take a closed ball in Euclidean space, mm -hmm. so you can think about an interval on the real line, that's a closed ball in the one-dimensional Euclidean space, or you can think about a disk in two-dimensional space, or what we usually call a ball in three-dimensional mm -hmm. space and mm -hmm. higher, you don't think about it because it, our brains don't work that way. Um, <laughs> so if you take a closed ball in Euclidean space, and you take a continuous function from that closed ball to itself, 
that continuous function has to have a fixed point. Yes. In other words, a point which is sent to itself by the continuous function. So that's the statement of the theorem. Um, I mean, even just avoiding the word continuous, you can still sort of state this theorem, which is that if you take a closed ball and you sort of like morph it around and stretch it out and, and do crazy things to it, as long as you're not tearing it apart, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're gonna have a fixed point of your function. Or if you, yeah. stir, you stir a cup of coffee, Right? That's right. So there's this yep. anecdote that, like, mm -hmm. what Brower was thinking. I have no idea if this is <laughs> accurate. Uh, actually, stories are the best. Reading about him biographically, I almost feel like coffee would be like too exciting for Brower. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm not actually sure about the accuracy of this story, but uh, the the story goes that he was stirring his coffee and he noticed that there seemed to be a point at every point in time, a point where. Um, the coffee wasn't moving despite the fact that he was stirring this thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that actually leads to one of the reasons I like this in terms of like real world applications is it's a good, well, depending on who you hang out with, <laughs> it's a good <laughs> cocktail party theorem. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because if you're, you know, making yourself a cocktail and you throw all the ingredients into your shaker and you start stirring them up, well, when you're done stirring it, as long as you haven't done anything crazy, like, disconnected the liquid inside of the shaker, then you've got to have some point in the liquid that returned to its original spot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that's kind of a fun version of the coffee anecdote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the cocktail would definitely be too exciting for Brower. Yeah, I, I would be really surprised. I mean, he was a vegetarian, not that, you know, you can't be a fun vegetarian. <laughs> but he, was, he was a vegetarian and he was sort of a health nut in general. And so, uh, and that was back in a time, you know, so he proved this theorem in the early 1900s, right. back in a time where I don't think that behavior was quite so common. So, um, no, but, well, you know, yeah, it, it was more like on a commune, like you would go to some weird, not weird, so I shouldn't say weird, you would go to some, you know, <laughs> rural place and, and hang out with other like minded people. That's uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and only live, you know, live this healthful lifestyle and you would eschew meat and sugar and all this stuff, right? Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, so the other way I like to sort of describe this in terms of the real world, I think this is a, a common one that Brower himself actually talked about this, is that if you take a map, so take a map of somewhere, um, you mm -hmm. know, that's rectangularly shaped. Okay, so you can either just think, well, the map itself is a rectangle, so whatever it pictures is the rectangle, yeah. or you can think about like Colorado or something like this. Right. <laughs> if you take a map and you're in the place that is indicated on the map, then there's somewhere on the map that is precisely in the point, <laughs> the same point on the map as it is in the place, right? Mm -hmm. Namely, namely where you are. <laughs> but right. of course, you can get more more yeah. specific than that. Sure. So those are two sort of like nice ways to visualize maybe this theorem. One of the, the reasons I like it is first of all, that it basically touches every subfield of mathematics. I mean, it has implications for differential equations and almost any sort of applied mathematics that you might be interested in, you know, mm -hmm. things like existence of equilibrium states and that kind of thing um, over to its generalizations, which touch on, you know, number theory and dynamic dynamical systems and these kinds of things through Lefschetz fixed point theorem and mm -hmm. trace formulas and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so mathematically speaking, it's sort of the precursor to the entire study of fixed point theorems, which is which is um, maybe an underappreciated <laughs> spine running through sort of all of mathematics. Sure, and and since yeah. since you're interested in dynamics, I can see why you might really be interested in this theorem. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it comes up particularly in almost any kind of study of dynamical systems where you're interested in iteration. Mm -hmm. This comes up. Mm -hmm. I like to ask our, our guests if 
if this was a love at first sight theorem or if it's kind of, you know, grown on you over time? That's a good question. So it's definitely grown because I think when you first meet this thing, I mean, let's think about it a little bit. Like in one dimension, how do you think of this theorem? You think of, okay, I have a map from, say, the unit interval to itself, right, which is a mm -hmm. continuous map. I can draw its graph, mm -hmm. right? And this is the statement essentially that that graph has to intersect the line y equals x between zero and one. Right, so it's a consequence and of the intermediate value theorem. It's quick. That's right, this yeah. is one of those deals where we always tell the Calc students like tilt your head and they look mm -hmm. at us like we're crazy and, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then they all do it and it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I find this appealing, right? Cause it's sort of an intersection theoretic way mm -hmm. to think about it, which is what is really sort of the implication or the generalizations that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. But I think that you don't, recognize the scope of this kind of perspective, viewing this as intersection and how that sort of leads you into algebraic geometry versions of this theorem. Mm. Um, you don't realize that at first. Mm -hmm. And same with, you don't realize the applications to Banach spaces at first and equilibrium states at first. And so understanding sort of the breadth of this theorem is not something that happens right away. But the other thing is that really why I like this theorem is the backstory. Can I tell you about the backstory? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so Brower, I mean, you can already tell I kind of don't like him, right? <laughs> but so Brower was a Dutch mathematician, and he was essentially the founder of a school of mathematical philosophy known as intuitionism. Mm. And what these, these people think, or perhaps thought, I don't know who among us is one of them at this point, what these people think is that um, essentially mathematics is uh, a result of the creator, of mathematics, that there is no mathematic independent of the person who is creating the mathematics. Mm. Okay. okay. And so weird consequences of this are things like not believing in the law of the excluded middle. So they think a thing is only true if you can prove it mm -hmm. and only not true if you can provide a counterexample. Okay. And so something which okay. is an open problem, for example, they consider to be a, a counterexample or whatever you want to say to the law of the excluded middle. So it's in some sense a time dependent mathematical philosophy hmm. where it's not that everything is either true or not in the system, right. but that it's true or not or not yet. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. I, so I don't know very much about this part of math history. Um, and I've, I've sort of, you know, heard a, of the fact that you don't have to necessarily accept the excluded middle, but I, I hadn't thought about or, or heard people talk about this time dependent aspect of it. Um, and I guess this is before we get into uh, Cantor and Gödel's like incomplete or uh, mm -hmm. more Gödel and, and Gödel, yeah. the incompleteness mm -hmm. theorems, which kind of seem like that would be a whole other wrench into things. That's right. So, I mean, this is the reason. So this is this does predate Gödel, but it's definitely after Cantor. And the reason why is that it was basically like a knee-jerk reaction to Cantor. And so the mm -hmm. reason why I'm sort of anti this philosophy is because I view Cantor as really sort of a true revolutionary yeah. in mathematics. Absolutely. Right? Um, and, and maybe I'll have a chance to say a little bit about the connection between the Brouwer fixed point theorem and some of what he did. But, um, you know, Cantor sat back or, you know, took a step back and said, okay, here's what size of a set is. And I'm going to convince you that, you know, the real line and the real plane, this two-dimensional space, have the same size. Mm -hmm. right? 
And everyone was so deeply unhappy with this <laughs> um, that they founded schools of thought like intuitionism, essentially, mm -hmm. which basically sort of forced you to exclude an argument like Cantor's mm -hmm. from being sort of logically valid. And so anyone who was sort of mentally opposed to Cantor, I have a knee-jerk reaction to. <laughs> and the reason why I find this theorem so delicious, you know, sort of appealing is because it's not constructivist, right? Brouwer's fixed point theorem says there is some fixed point. It doesn't hand you the fixed point, which right. is what Brouwer says that you should have to do if you're actually proving something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so even though he held, and he really believed, I mean, he worked on it from his thesis to his, his death, essentially. He really, well, while he was active, mm -hmm. he really believed in this philosophy of mathematics that you, you cannot say like, oh, there exists a thing, but I can't ever tell you what it is. He thought you really had to hand over the mathematical object in order to convince somebody. And yet, one of his most famous results fails to do exactly that. And the reason why is that his thesis advisor was like, hey, no one's going to listen to you unless you do some actual mathematics. <laughs> so, so he put aside the philosophy for a few years, proved a bunch of nice theorems in topology mm -hmm. in sort of the formalist approach, went back to his mathematical philosophy. I did not know any of this. Of course, you know, this whole time-dependent mathematics evolving. Now, now I can't stop thinking of Slaughterhouse-Five, right? You want Slaughterhouse Five, <laughs> so the you know the the, the Tralfamadorians would tell us you know that I mean it's all it's already all there, so you know it's encased that's in right. amber and they they can see it all so they know what theorems we're going to discover later, but uh, that's right. But for now, yeah. So so what's your favorite proof of this theorem? So I think my favorite proof of this theorem is probably not Brouwer's. It's probably an algebraic topology proof, essentially. Oh, I see. I thought you would go with the iteration proof, but okay. No, yeah. I don't think so because. Yeah. <laughs> What it's really about to me, it really is a topological statement about like the non-existence of retractions. Mm -hmm, right. So, so let's just talk about like the disk. Let's do the two-dimensional version, right? So if you had, so first of all, it's a proof by contradiction, which Brouwer already is not mm -hmm. on board with, but right. let's do it anyways. So if you had a function, which was a continuous map from the closed unit disk to itself that had no fixed point, then you can define a new function which maps the closed disk to its boundary, the circle, in the following way. If you have a point inside the disk, you look at where its image is. It's somewhere else, mm -hmm. right, because there's right. no fixed points. So you can draw the ray from its image through that point in the plane. Mm -hmm. Now, that ray will hit the circle, the unit circle, exactly once. That's the value that you assign the point in this new function. Right. And so this will give you a new map, which maps the disk, the closed unit disk, to its boundary. And this map is a retraction, so it acts as the identity on the boundary circle. Yep. And it maps the entire disk continuously onto the boundary circle. And such a thing can never exist. You've torn a um, hole in the disk. You've torn a hole in the disk, yeah. Right. So it's really believable. I mean, if you don't like to think about like, okay, what's the actual, rather than a rigorous proof, I think, if you think yep. about trying to do this with the interval, take the interval and assign every value continuously to zero or one, mm -hmm. <laughs> fixing zero and one. Okay, you obviously have to tear it to do it, right. right? It's totally clear in your head. With the disk, maybe it's not quite so obvious, mm -hmm. right? And so usually the cleanest proof of this, the non-existence of a retraction like this goes through, 
goes through algebraic topology and sure. understanding what the fundamental groups of these two objects are. Mm -hmm. that, 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 that was that's the proof I always think of being a topologist. But I mean, you, you could you thought maybe I'd be dynamical about it. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you can just pick a point and iterate and it, what what it converges to. Since it's a complete metric space, it converges to some mm -hmm. point, and that thing has to be fixed, right? That's mm -hmm. but that's also not constructive. Right. It's also not constructive, although right. so there are like approximate construction versions that yes. um, right. that can be done. Right. But the other thing, so one more I'll say that I like about this theorem in terms of its mm -hmm. implications is that it's one of the tools that Brouwer used in his theorem proving the topological invariance of dimension. That dimension is a well-defined notion mm -hmm. under homeomorphism, mm -hmm. right? Right. And so in particular, right, like you don't have a homeomorphism just stretching, you know, continuous in both directions from like rn to r okay right. so you and you and dimensional euclidean real space to the real line and um this doesn't sound like earth shattering to us now i think mm -hmm. <laughs> we all kind of take it for granted but at the time right this was j not so long after Cantor had been like mm -hmm. oh but there is actually an injection <laughs> right right from from n dimensional euclidean space to the real line and and so it was it's not that it was surprising but it was sort of like reassuring right <laughs> i think that if you impose continuity this kind of terrible behavior can't happen right or in other words you know you need you need additional structure to 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 get your sense that the plane is bigger than the line yeah that's yeah. right although even even taking into account continuity like topology mm -hmm. is weird sometimes right because yeah. like there there are space filling curves. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, there are surjective continuous maps from the real line. Well, let's just stick to intervals mm -hmm. from the unit interval to any size, any dimensional box that you want. Sure. Right. And so somehow that's, that's really counterintuitive to most people. And so it's not so obvious that maybe, you know, what you think of as sort of the reverse, which mm -hmm. is an injection of a large space into a small space, mm -hmm. maybe that would be problematic, but Thanks to Brouwer's fixed point theorem, it's not. So, uh, so what pairs well with with Brouwer's fixed point theorem? Well, so okay, it has to be a cocktail, right? Because I chose the cocktail example, sure. <laughs> right. and because you know cocktails are fun, mm -hmm. uh, and they're anti-Brouwer, presumably, as we've discussed. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess let's see, with overlap, the cocktail description and the map description that I gave of Brouwer's fixed point theorem, mm -hmm. I'm going to say that this should go with a Manhattan. Okay. Okay. All right. Is that yeah. your is that your favorite cocktail, or is that just? Uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Also, Manhattan is almost convex. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost so, convex. Not so, quite. so you're a whiskey drinker. Is this? I am a whiskey drinker. Okay. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't drink too much brown liquor because if I drink too much of it, I'll start fights. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fortunately, being sort of small as a human has prevented me from starting too many fights. I just don't think I would win. So. <laughs> <laughs> So in, in my household, I am uh, married to a dynamicist, so I, I'm a dynamicist-in-law, um, <laughs> but I'm more of a geometer. And we have this this joke that, like, there are certain chores that I'm better at, like loading the dishwasher, because, um, like, I'm good at, at geometry and, like, what shapes look like. But right. my spouse um, is good at dynamics, and he is indeed our mixologist. So I don't – do you feel like you're uh, – dynamical systems background gives you a, a key insight into making cocktails. It, it um, certainly seems to work with him. Definitely for the first cocktail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Subsequent <laughs> cocktails, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to happy hour tonight. Maybe I will get a Manhattan. That sounds good. Maybe so. you should talk about Brower's fixed point theorem. With my wife, not yeah. so much.
No, it doesn't go over that well. Yeah. Well, she's. A, I mean, she would listen and understand, but she's an artist, right? So she's uh, uh, cocktails and, and math. I don't know, not so much for her. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. That just makes me think of. Okay, wow. I'm really gonna like nerd it out. Do you guys Good. ever watch Battlestar Galactica? I, I haven't. It's on my list. <laughs> when I was okay. a kid, I watched the original. Okay, so the, the new one. No. All right, so the, for, this is for listeners who are, you know, BSG nerds. Okay, so like there's this drawing of this vortexy like universe or the, mm -hmm. a painting of the vortexy universe that sort of features in the later crappier seasons. And uh, <laughs> now that makes me think of it's kind of an illustration of Brower's Fixed Point Theorem. Hmm. So maybe you should tell your wife to, to try and paint Brower's Fixed Point Theorem for you. Okay, I'll try yeah. that. That's a good idea. Marital advice for me. Don't take it. Don't take it. <laughs> uh, we've been married for almost 26 years. I think we're okay. We're, 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 we're hanging in all right. So. Yeah. So uh, we always like to give our guests a chance to, uh, to, to, to plug anything they're working on. You've, you've been in a bunch of uh, number file videos, right? Yeah, that's right. And there will yeah. be some more in the future. So uh, if, you, if anyone hasn't checked out number file, it's this amazing YouTube channel um, where uh, masses – essentially explain to the public. I mean, and mathematicians come and they talk about some interesting piece of mathematics and what is really meant to be an accessible way. And uh, so I've been a guest on there a couple of times and it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, and they're they're great. Holly's videos are great on there. Um, I mean, I like number file in general, but I, I have personally used your videos about the Mandelbrot set and like the dynamics of it and stuff when I've written about it um, and uh, some other di related dynamical systems. They've helped me, uh, you know, figure out some of the, the finer points that as not a dynamicist maybe don't come completely naturally to me. Oh, um, that's awesome. So, yeah, and, uh, I've, I've included them in a few of the, the posts that I've done, like my posts about the Mandelbrot set, so. That's um, amazing. Well, that's yeah. good because uh, I've used your blog a few times when I'm trying to figure out like things that people might be interested to know about mathematics and like things that are accessible to write and talk about to people. So, <laughs> so it goes both directions. All right, mutual, mutual and, love uh, fest here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and so people can also find you on Twitter. Um, I don't remember actually what your handle is. It's just my name, Holly Krieger. Okay. Yeah, so thanks a lot for being on the show. It was thanks so much for having me. Yeah. It was great to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lamb. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at NivikNazdunk, that's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics. <laughs>